Welcome to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Ontario's Chamber of Commerce is asking for clarity on the next stage of Ontario's COVID-19 reopening plan. Older workers want to continue working, but most employers don't offer semi-retirement. Hamilton hockey star Sarah Nurse is gearing up for the Beijing Olympics. A two-time Canadian Olympian is hoping to be selected for the IOC's Athletes Commission. Dane Evans has opted to forego becoming a CFL free agent and has re-signed with the Tiger Cats. And the Bulldogs have been making waves on and off the ice lately as they load up for a championship run. The GMH podcast starts now. This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900 CHML. I think I speak on behalf of all businesses, all parents really, uh, and all citizens and and asking, you know, what's the plan? We've heard nothing. Uh, We don't know what the the metrics are going to be for moving out of stage two. Um, we don't know what the next stage is. Yeah, what is the plan? That's the voice of Hamilton Chamber of Commerce President Keenan Loomis saying businesses are in the dark and the Chamber of Commerce is asking for some clarity on the next stage of Ontario's COVID-19 reopening plan. We know we're back into a quote-unquote modified stage two. Uh, No indoor dining at restaurants, other restrictions and lockdowns for certain businesses. Rocco Rossi is the president and CEO of the Ontario Chamber of Commerce and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Good morning, Rocco. Good morning, Rick. Always a pleasure to be with you. Uh, What kind of clarity do you require from the provincial government today? Well, my uh, colleague uh, Keenan put it incredibly well. Look, two years into this, and we still don't know what the metrics, the thresholds are for making decisions. So when the government announced the latest round of restrictions and um, sent the schools into at-home learning and uh, and then back to a modified uh, stage two for Uh, businesses, they said, okay, for the schools, January 17th back uh, and businesses the uh, 26th. So a week before the 17th, schools are going back um, and less than two weeks to go, we've not heard what's going on vis-a-vis businesses. So what were the numbers that triggered, okay, it's okay for schools when we know Risk is not zero. It's not going to be zero for a very long time. So it's about managing that risk. So what would trigger it for businesses? And where is the plan that gives us surge capacity in healthcare, that gives us additional testing capacity so we can actually track and trace where the cases are? So rather than use the blunt instrument of lockdowns and restrictions, we're far more surgical around what it is that we need to close, what it is that we need to do to protect people as best we can while we coexist with this virus that clearly is not going to go away for a long time. Well, it sounds like the government is just trying to figure out as it goes along. You know, we have a story on air in our news this morning about testing capacity and how there's such a backlog of PCR tests because there's not a lot of staff or not enough staff to kind of figure out and and see which ones are positive and which ones aren't. But with the back-to-school plan now in place, with students returning on Monday, is that a good omen for businesses looking at this January 26th deadline? Well, we just don't know um, because we're not getting any clarity. If we had it, we wouldn't have issued uh, the ask and the release yesterday imploring the government to give us more 
um, clarity and certainty because think about it, businesses can't um, open up on a, on a dime. If you've got a restaurant, you're going to have to restock inventory, particularly of perishables. You're going to have to call back staff, figure out shifts, etc. That takes time. And these are businesses that can't afford to spend more money on a potential opening that's not going to happen in the time that was originally announced. So it's absolutely crucial um, that um, that the government get uh, clear on the messaging. It was it was understandable in the early days of the crisis that look there isn't a playbook on this, uh, and and so you got to cut people some slack on the fluidity of the situation. But this is COVID-19 and it is now 2022. It is not unreasonable to say that by now, there should be a clearer, more nuanced plan that also looks to be doing more than enough and not just enough. I mean, part of the reason we're in the jackpot that we're in is that the additional investments in more testing, in uh, you know the necessary masks, in the surge capacity in the healthcare system, um, all of these things are not being thought through in a way to ensure that we get to manage the crisis as opposed to react to it on a short-term basis again and again and again. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML is Rocco Rossi. He's the president and CEO of the Ontario Chamber of Commerce. Rick Samprin with you on GMH. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your favorite podcasts. We heard from Chief Medical Officer of Health, Dr. Kieran Moore, yesterday, who said that the peak of Omicron is likely to happen in a few weeks, which obviously brings us beyond January 26th. How damaging has this latest lockdown or set of restrictions been on Ontario businesses? Look, this is all the the piling on of week after week after week. Um, and it's it's devastating because it's on top of already almost two years of various stages of lockdown around increasing debt. Um, and yes, governments have been stepping up with uh, with programs and tip of the hat for uh, the incredible amount of collaboration and cooperation. But never forget that already, despite all of the claims of we've got your back, tens of thousands of Ontario businesses have gone bankrupt during the pandemic. And tens of thousands more are literally hanging on by their fingernails. They've added debt. They're you know, borrowing from Peter to pay Paul. And uh, and the latest round of supports are still allowing lots of businesses to fall through the cracks. It's a very small amount. I mean, yes, $10,000 sounds um, like a lot of money, but if this extends, you know, from a couple of weeks into multiple weeks, that's a joke amount for the costs that are being incurred and the opportunities that have been lost, because as you well know, Rick, for businesses like restaurants and small retailers, the Christmas season in normal times is one of their biggest revenue seasons of the year and really is the, is the money 
that they make that allows them to go through the leaner periods into the new year. That period is taken away, was taken away from these businesses, and we don't get to have it back in March. Um, and yet the bills keep keep coming. So we're very concerned that in the lack of a plan, um, how do you convince businesses to keep treading water, to say, look, there is uh, light at the end of the tunnel and it's not a train because here are the steps that we're following. Here are the investments that we're making. Here is the plan that we've put in place, recognizing that we're not getting to zero anytime soon. And so we have to look at at ways to manage with the crisis. Rocco, as always, thank you for the time and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you very much, Rick. And all of us as individuals and consumers also have a role to play. Every chance you get, buy local and support these incredible businesses that need your help more than ever before. Absolutely. Thanks, Rocco. Rocco Rossi, President and CEO of the Ontario Chamber of Commerce. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. There's a new survey out from a company called the Harris Poll. It was commissioned by Express Employment Professionals, and it has found that most Canadian employees say they would partake in semi-retirement. The issue is most companies don't offer that option. Has semi-retirement vanished? James Norris is an Express franchise owner in London, Ontario, and joins us on GMH this morning. Good morning, James. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing this morning, Rick? Not too bad. Yourself? Good, thank you. So has semi-retirement just uh, evaporated from the Canadian business landscape? Unfortunately, I think so. There's not enough companies that are being flexible enough to be attractive enough for people near retirement age or after retirement age to want to stay in the workforce. So did this end with the onset of the pandemic, or has this been a slow roll for businesses uh, in Ontario and across the country? I believe it has been happening before the pandemic, but the pandemic has definitely increased this dramatically. And I think a number of people, for a variety of reasons, uh, to do with health concerns or safety concerns in the workplace, left the workforce faster than they might have previous to the pandemic. I always thought semi-retirement was, uh, you know, a win-win, you know, a, a win for the, the person who's going back to work or at least staying maybe in the workforce and for the business who may not necessarily have to pay as much money for this employee who has a wealth of experience, a lot of wisdom. Uh, I always thought of it as a win-win. I agree. It, it is a win-win. I think part of the problem, though, is that the companies are not offering enough or enough flexibility, and sometimes both, to the person in order to keep them working. And when you had mentioned there about it being a little bit cheaper, I think that might be one of the things companies need to reevaluate, because these individuals have so much knowledge and have developed so many efficiencies in their role that if they do not offer potentially a consultative approach for this person to stay on and help their team, they may be losing on more money for their business than by paying this person extra 
to stay on. Yeah, I agree. James Norris is our guest, an express franchise owner in London, Ontario. We're talking about a new poll that shows um, a lot of Canadian employees would would love to partake in semi-retirement. The issue is a lot of employers are not offering that option. And here's another thing with semi-retirement is, you know, somebody retires because, you know, that semi-retirement option isn't there. The succession plan, or at least the gap in knowledge from the person who's retiring to some of the other employees who are still on staff, that could be a large gap and could lead to issues for that employer. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I'm big on the term knowledge transfer, and really that just means the ability to have somebody come in and train with a period of time that's appropriate for that role in that company to gain all of the things that that person in that role has learned that in many cases nobody else in the organization knows and you don't know what you don't know until that person is left and then you find out there's all sorts of issues within the business because you have not learned before that person left we're seeing a lot of baby boomers uh, you know enter retirement and maybe in some cases some of them are semi-retired or at least have one foot uh, left in the uh, employment uh, bucket if you will Let's talk about the value of these baby boomers, because this is a large part of the population. They have, as I mentioned earlier, a a ton of experience. What's the value of keeping a baby boomer on staff? The value can be something that in many cases you can't actually put a dollar amount on, because as I mentioned, when they leave, you're going to learn, lose things that you weren't aware. In any cases, there is not enough individuals coming up in the workforce that have had specific training or have the knowledge to effectively take over for these people. Companies have not planned enough ahead in order to make sure they've got the right people training years ahead of time to be able to continually move up and take the position of these people when they retire. And that that's where the, the, um, the transition of knowledge comes into effect. And you just mentioned there's a gap in that. What should companies be doing in terms of transitioning that knowledge? How do they do that? Well, I think they need to take a twofold approach. I think they need to be really honest with their employees that are getting near the retirement age and have conversations about how they can work together for that person exiting the workforce. And then on the other side, they need to identify people in their company that are doing well that could be the people to step up into this person's plans. Into this person's positions, I should say. Yeah, I, I, I gotta yeah. be. I gotta be honest. I thought it was a little surprising when this poll came out because I thought uh, the semi-retirement route, or maybe even the reduced hours for you know that aging employee, would be. Um, a, a bigger number than what we're seeing because of the pandemic. You know, you can work remotely, you can work from home. There's not, you know, those stressors in the physical workplace. You still get that uh, output from that employee. I'm, I was a little surprised to see these numbers. Were you as well? Uh, no, I personally wasn't. And that's because I, I talked to enough businesses and have found that in the cases, especially where they are very large businesses and they don't have active in-house leadership, that is local to that community, to that area. Typically, those people at those headquarters don't truly understand the market and the situation that they're in in that immediate zone, and they don't believe that they need to do enough to keep these people on board as they believe they can bring new people in easier than what is actually realistic. So it's likely that smaller businesses will offer more semi-retirement options because they're, they're seeing that value right in front of them. It's not just a number on a, on a, a spreadsheet at a head office somewhere. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. They tend to value their employees more, and they are more in the know 
of all the extra things that those people do that are beneficial to the business. Great stuff. James, appreciate the time today. Thanks for joining us, and enjoy the weekend. Thanks very much. You too, Rick. As James Norris, an Express franchise owner in London, Ontario, some of the statistics from this survey that shows a lot of Canadian employees would love the semi-retirement option, but uh, companies aren't offering it. Um, 79% would love to partake in a flexible work schedule. Um, 62% would uh, like to transition to a consulting role um, or working reduced hours with reduced benefits. 57% chiming in to say, hey, I'd love to do that. The difficulty is just one in five or 22% say their employer offers semi-retirement. So huge gap uh, when it comes to workers who are at the uh, quote-unquote end of their career wanting to at least keep a toe into their career. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Well, the Canadian Olympic women's hockey team has been unveiled and no surprise, Hamilton Sarah Nurse is one of the individuals that will be spearheading the quest for gold in Beijing in just a few weeks time. And Sarah Nurse joins us now on GMH. Good morning, Sarah. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Not too bad. Um, as I said, you know, no surprise that you're on the team. You're on the last one. You guys uh, coming off a silver medal performance in uh, 2018. In saying that, you must be amped to be back on this team. Yes, I'm so excited. I think that this year has definitely been such a different one for our entire group. And starting off the year with a win at the Women's World Championship in August, um, we had our sights set on that gold. And now we've turned our focus to getting a gold in Beijing. So we're very excited to head over um, and compete with our team. How would you describe this team compared to the previous Olympic squad? Yeah, I think that there are definitely some differences between our last uh, Olympic team. Coming in as a rookie that year, um, we had a ton of veteran leadership on that team who have been able to teach us so many amazing things. And I think looking into this Olympic team, uh, we kind of have a new leadership group. We have a lot of young new talent like Emma Malte and Sarah Fillier. And so we're very excited at the versatility of our group and that mix of veteran leadership, but also that like rookie prowess. Three years ago, you, you were a rookie, as you mentioned. Uh, three years later, you, you can be described as a, a veteran and a key component to this team. How has your game evolved over the last few years? I know you haven't played a lot of hockey because of the pandemic, but how has it grown? Yeah, I think I kind of describe myself as a bit of a sophomore. You know, I'm not um, as veteran as some of the other girls, but I'm not a rookie anymore. And so I definitely wanted to elevate my game over the last few years and tweak some little things um, with, you know, my offensive game, my skating, and and just working on my overall hockey sense um, and being a real versatile player. You know, I want to be the type of player that my coach can look down the bench and put me on in any situation that he sees fit. And so... Um, I definitely want to be somebody who's relied upon by my teammates and also my coaches. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML is Sarah Nurse from Hamilton, a Canadian Olympic hockey player going to uh, Beijing in a few weeks' time. Uh, speaking of Beijing, China, are are there any concerns going overseas, not only because, well, A, it's China, we know their reputation, but B, it's uh, the Olympic Games, pandemic is on. What's kind of going through your mind with all this? Yeah, I think right now we're very focused on our performance. Um, I think we're very, very close to the games. And as we've gone through this last year of preparing and training, uh, we have a lot of trust in our leadership from a program standpoint and what we're doing now. And so right now we're focused on our performance. 
There are a couple of other uh, players on the team that are uh, very close to uh, Hamilton, that being Burlington's Anna Malte. You mentioned her. Um, Rena Fast as well, who's a veteran of this uh, Canadian uh, hockey uh, program. Um, is there some sort of community pride on the team, knowing that uh, you know, you're from Hamilton, you're, you're kind of carrying Hamilton's flag on the team? Yeah, definitely. I think it's fun because a lot of us kind of grew up playing with and against each other and, you know, being around the same area. Um, it's it's pretty special. And knowing that a lot of great athletes have come out of the Hamilton-Halton area is pretty cool. You're also helping launch the new season of the RBC Training Ground Olympic Talent Search. What's this all about? Yeah, in the seventh season this year of the RBC Training Ground, it's such a cool program um, because it really looks to the future of our Olympic athletes. And it really is a program that shows that, you know, it's not, it's never too late to compete and participate in sport. And it's never too late to compete at a high level of sport. And so it's a really cool program that um, athletes can sign up for between ages of 14 and 25. And it's completely free. um, And they're able to compete and participate in tests that really um, test out their speed, power and endurance for them to be possibly um, identified by a national sport organization and possibly compete at the Olympics one day. And so it's a pretty cool program um, that's absolutely incredible. Yeah, very much so. There, there. I would assume, you know, in years gone by, uh, before this program was created, there are several, you know, athletes who may have been Olympians but didn't really have the opportunity to go through a program like this. So this is pretty, pretty neat. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there are so many cool sports. Um, I know Bobsled Canada uses the program, Rugby Canada, Volleyball Canada um, has identified some athletes to the program. And so it's a pretty cool way to be identified, to take your athletic talents and really take it to new heights. We have another minute or so with Sarah Nurse, a Hamilton native and a member of Canada's women's Olympic hockey team that's going to be traveling to Beijing in a matter of weeks. What is your advice for any future Olympians out there? Yeah, I I would definitely say that, you know, if you have a passion, don't be afraid to follow it. Um, Athletics is such an incredible way to really kickstart and really help you throughout your entire life. You know, it's not only something fun that you're able to do, but playing a sport, uh, being a part of our team, participating in activity is so much fun. And it's given me so many amazing friendships and relationships. Um, and also taking me to some incredible places. So sport has brought me so much in my life, and so I would just say embrace every single moment. Lastly, because we are still in pandemic mode, um, do you expect any family or friends to make the trip to Beijing? Are they allowed to do so? What have you heard? Um, I know for for me personally, my family won't be making the trip to Beijing. I know with the current climate um, and their kind of responsibilities. I know that my family personally won't be there, which is definitely disappointing, but understanding that we live in a very ever-changing climate. And so knowing that everybody's comfort level um, is very different is something that we've all had to adapt to. Very much so. Sarah, we wish you the best of luck uh, in uh, bringing home another gold for Team Canada. I know that uh, hockey fans from coast to coast to coast will be cheering you ladies on and uh, stay safe as well. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much. Beijing Games is going to be the second Olympic go-round for Sarah Nurse. Uh, she participated in the 2018 Olympics and uh, scored the game-winning goal against the Americans in the preliminary round. Ultimately, they settled for the silver medal at those games. But uh, she is a gold medalist on the world stage. Is Canada now the reigning world women's hockey champions after beating uh, the USA in uh, last year's final, thanks to a, a fantastic overtime performance, not only by Team Canada, but uh, game-winning goal scorer Marie-Philippe Poulin, who is the captain of Canada's women's hockey team this go-round. And if you're wondering, the Beijing Games begins February the 
4th. They will wrap up on February 20th. So go Canada, go. Uh, not only for the hockey team, um, but uh, all the Olympians who are going to be going overseas uh, during the pandemic, which is going to be challenging in and of itself. But uh, participating in the games is always a challenge as well. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Keeping with our Olympic theme, just got done chatting with uh, Hamilton hockey star Sarah Nurse about her upcoming adventure at the Beijing Olympics, there is a two-time Canadian Olympian who's hoping to be selected for the IOC's Athletes Commission. What's this all about? Well, let's ask him. Shay Smith is a former Canadian Olympian and former Canadian Olympic Committee's Athletes Commission chair, and he joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Good morning, Shay. Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. You're a candidate for one of two openings on the IOC's Athletes Commission. What's this commission all about? What do you What do you do? Well, just like it was in Canada, it's a group of 15, 16 athletes who are elected by uh, the Olympians all over the world. And they have a mandate to, you know, be the voice of athletes, advocate to the IOC's executive board, the IOC president on what's important to athletes and just sort of travel around the world and make sure that they are, you know, efficiently hearing what is most important to athletes so they can sort of put together a, a decent strategy going forward. So how are members chosen? Are you actively campaigning for a spot? Is it just a series of interviews? How does this election work? Yep, yep. We are actively campaigning. Um, I'll be in Beijing. Uh, they give you a nice jacket and you're meant to sort of walk around the village and and talk to people face to face. You can also use social media too. And I'm, I'm calling up athletes who I know will be going to Beijing, just trying to get the message out. So why do you want this role and what message will you be sending out? Yeah, I mean, th- th- there's three main reasons why I, I want the role and why I think I'd be good. And starting with the most important one, um, I want to be, you know, a leader and or a, uh, sort of push the message of sustainability and, and climate change with in, in the athlete world. You know, I want to be the person who makes helps athletes make a difference when it comes to this biggest issue of our time. It's climate change. There's a lot of athletes who come and talk to me and say, hey, Shay, I know you have a background in sustainability. You know, you went to school for it. You do stuff on the side, um, sort of in this space. What can I do to help? Um, how can I be involved? And I want to sort of take that to the next level, a global level, and just sort of, you know, push us forward and make, make a, a positive change. Shay Smith is our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Shay is a two-time Olympian, participated in the 2012 London Olympics and the 2018 Pyeongchang Games, and is now vying for one of two seats uh, on the uh, International Olympic Committee's Athletes Commission. Uh, with climate change, is it is it too late to reverse course? Do we still have a chance to uh, even the score or get on the other side of this? Of course we do. Of course we do. You know, there's... There's a phrase, well, well, I mean, the experts say, yes, there is, there is time. So you got to defer to the experts, but just like, just like in sport, you know, it's, you, you may feel like, um, you know, think, think of hockey games, basketball games, any kind of competitive sport. There, there are definitely are times where you're down and it seems like it's impossible to come back, but, you know, teams mount uh, a comeback and, and, you know, in, in the same vein, I think this can be, you know, the greatest, the greatest comeback of our, of our generation, the climate comeback. There are things that we can do, you know, specifics, specific to athletes, Olympians, measuring our travel, you know, looking at how we source the equipment we have, minimizing our waste and, and sort of collectively measuring the impact our sports sector has. And, and that's that's why I'm excited. That's why I think I can 
I can lead athletes to make a, a huge difference. But we definitely have to be positive for sure. Climate comeback. You mentioned uh, earlier that you've been in contact with uh, many athletes. We know that athletes, really for the longest time, decades really, when you go back to the, the early days of sport in North America and even over in Europe, have a tremendous platform to get whatever message they have across. Do you think enough athletes are doing this sort of thing, at least from a positive perspective, whether it's climate change related or not? More is always better. There are there are there are a lot of athletes in this space. A lot of groups protect our winters and eco athletes, and you know there's Olympic champions out there um, doing the good work. Uh, but but the, the more is always better. And you know when I'm elected here, I will certainly want to corral as many athletes, Olympic cha- Olympic champions, all the way down to um, you know your, the grassroots competitors to just speak to this issue and and be uh, be leading influencers in this space. Shay Smith is our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Shay is a two-time uh, Canadian Olympian, former Canadian Olympic Committee's Athletes Commission chair, and vying for one of two spots that are open on the IOC's Athletes Commission. You're also the founder of a non-for-profit organization called Racing to Zero. Tell us about this. Yeah, this, I mean, this all it all falls back to the same theme, me wanting to make, make a difference. A couple years ago, I got the opportunity to get some seed funding from the, um, the, the COC, Canadian Olympic Committee, and, and the International Olympic Committee to sort of make an impact in my community. And my, I have a background in, in renew, renewable energy technology and electrical engineering. So I figured, how can I merge two things that are super important to me, sport and, and sustainability? And Racing to Zero came out of it. And me and four, three other Olympians, we are helping track events in Calgary um, be more sustainable. We help measure their emissions. We help reduce their waste. We give them tips on how they can educate the parents and the volunteers who attend so they can do things similar to how the Olympics at the top level um, measure their impact. It's, we're, making, we're making good headway. It's, it's good stuff. With China being one of the biggest polluters on the planet, how much are you looking forward to obtaining this seat and getting your message out there? For sure. That's, that's why it's so exciting because the IOC has a lot of power and influence on, on these kind of global stages. You know, They have rules going forward that anybody hosting the Games you have to have a climate positive, uh, a, a climate neutral games um, after I think it's 2025 or 2030. So it, it's, I mean, it just fills me, me with excitement to think that at some point in the future, sport will not have a negative impact and if anything will be climate positive and will be bringing in more than, uh, than we're emitting. Shay, best of luck. Uh, congratulations on all that you have achieved and uh, and done thus far, not only in the world of sports, but making our planet a much better place. Uh, and good luck uh, in obtaining this seat on the commission. Thank you very much. Hashtag my comeback. That is, uh, that is Shay Smith, former Canadian Olympian, two-time Olympian, and uh, now going for an IOC Athletes Commission seat. That should be very exciting, and we wish him all the best. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Now we get to spend some time with quarterback Dane Evans. He's opted to forego becoming a CFL free agent and is re-signed with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And he joins us now on GMH. Good morning, Dane. How are you? Hey, man. Good morning. Thanks for having me. I'm fantastic. I'm just enjoying the morning and excited to be back in Hamilton, man. I'm super stoked. It wasn't too long ago that you were suggesting that, yeah, maybe it's time I test free agency. I've never been a free agent during my professional football career, but you've re-signed with the Cats. We're, we're ecstatic to have you back. What 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 changed in your mindset? Right, yeah, and and I kind of still felt that way the whole way through. Um, 
you know, I just wanted to, I'm kind of at a point in my career with my family and everything where I kind of felt like I, I needed to just make a little bit more money, you know, I mean, just, that's just kind of how it is. Um, and so deep down, I always knew that I wanted to play in Hamilton. Like that was never the issue, you know? And so I got with my agent, um, after some thoughts and prayers and stuff, got with my agent, um, told him basically what, you know, my numbers are and, I told him, I said, hey, if Hamilton can get hit this or get super close, like, I don't, there's no reason to go to free agency because I love it here. Like, it, it's not worth, you know, making a couple extra dollars to go somewhere else and, and not be on as good a team, you know what I mean? So um, it, it just worked out perfectly. So did they hit the number or get super close? We got super, super close. So <laughs> I'm very happy with it. And, and, it's, and, and I was realistic the whole time um, because, you know, I just – seen from history of quarterback contracts i don't want to take the all the team's money you know and not be able to pay anybody else and have any other players on the team so um it's a very fair contract and and for me i, I can't complain about anything i mean it's the most money i've ever made playing football so i'm i'm happy with it that's good to hear a win-win is always uh, you know a, a formula for success from a team standpoint so that's awesome did, did you see options out there while you're kind of contemplating your future in this league whether it's signing with a team like ottawa or maybe a toronto or a bc was that kind of rolling through your mind uh well there's no way i was ever going to go to toronto um, <laughs> that's for sure but um no i mean just just over the over the holidays and and talking to my agent we did you know we can't really talk to other teams right now not until february but we did kind of like realistically take a look at the whole league and we even looked at the nfl too um i spent a couple couple days probably about a, a full week sending my film and my agent sending my number around to nfl circles and didn't really hear anything back like that was too promising and and like I said, I'm at the point in my career where I do love it up here, and I, I just don't feel like I could take, you know, uh, just basically a tryout opportunity in, in the NFL. So um, Hamilton was a no-brainer, man, and I'm, I'm stoked to be here, and I can't wait to get it rolling. I can't wait to see who else we sign. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML is Dane Evans, quarterback with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Um, head coach Orlando Steinauer not only still with Hamilton as the head coach, there was some rumblings that maybe he would leave for the NCAA, but he's not only still the coach, he's also the new president of football operations. Uh, was that move a factor in your decision at all? Yes, it was a huge, huge factor. Um, obviously, you know, everybody kind of heard around the gray cup, you know, he potentially could be going somewhere else or whatever. And that's no fault for anybody. I mean, coaches, coaches make career moves too. And, um, but he addressed us as a team after the gray cup and, and said, look, I'm not going anywhere. Like, I, I don't know who put that out there. I haven't been contacted, all that stuff. So as soon as he told me that, that was, that was huge for me just because I knew, I know what coach O is about and I know he's not going to lie to us. Um, so it was great to be able to communicate him to communicate that to us and be able to tell my agent that. So that was a huge uh, factor in the process. Last time we saw you on the field, Dane, it was the 108th uh, Grey Cup in December at Tim Hortons Field. You left that game, unfortunately, with a neck injury. How are you feeling today? How's the rehab going? Yeah, um, it's going good, man. I would say I'm probably around about 90% on the neck um, rehab. Um, the best thing was that it wasn't any structural damage, so it wasn't anything with my spinal cord or, like, actual spine bones, which they were kind of worried about at the game. Um, and the truth is, man, if, if it wasn't the Grey Cup, I probably wouldn't even have tried to play just because of the severity of the injury, you know, but um, it was the great cup. Like I was gonna, I was gonna give it my all, and it just didn't turn out 
for for the better. Um, but now I'm all good. Um, I'll be I'll be healthy definitely in a couple weeks, and for sure by the time we report back for camp and all that stuff. So um, just kind of got unlucky with that injury. Does that game? Does that loss still sting? Uh, or have you put that in the rearview mirror already? Yeah, it stings. Um, I've kind of put it to bed a little bit just because, you know, Jeremiah came in and did a fantastic job. He, he led the team as, as well as anybody could have. Um, and, man, we were so close. You know, there were a lot of, lot of things. Um, I could sit here and say, oh, I wish I would have stayed healthy or I wish we would have done this, wish we had done that. But that just makes it even worse. So, you know, I've watched the film a couple times, um, kind of put it to bed, use it to, use it to learn from it, as bad as it hurts, losing it at home. Um, I know next year we'll be in Saskatchewan and in 2023, um, which is the length of my contract, we'll definitely be back at the Grey Cup in uh, Tim Hortons Field. So we got some things to look forward to for sure. Sounds like a plan, Dane. Uh, thanks for joining us today. Uh, congrats on signing the new deal, and we're happy to uh, see you still in black and gold. Thanks for joining us, and enjoy the weekend. Thank you. You too, and thanks for having me, man. Oski Wee Wee, I'm excited. You got it. Dane Evans, quarterback Hamilton Tiger Cats, joining us here on Good Morning Hamilton. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. A couple of big games for the Hamilton Bulldogs tonight and tomorrow, or actually Sunday, Eastern Division clashes against Oshawa tonight in the Schwa. And then Hamilton will host Kingston on Sunday afternoon at 2 at First Ontario Centre Two big games as all three teams kind of in the mix for first place in the East, currently held by the Dogs. And Hamilton has been making some waves on and off the ice lately as they load up for a championship run. Steve Steos is the president and general manager of the Hamilton Bulldogs and joins us on GMH. Steve, good morning. Thanks for coming back on the show. Yeah, good morning, Rick. Thanks for having me. You've been a busy guy of late. What did you see in this year's team that convinced you to go all in and make another run for a title? Um, well, I just think the character of the group, the determination, the courage, uh, the work ethic, it's, it's a hungry group. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they showed me that, uh, they were prepared to make a commitment to make a long run. And, uh, you know, it's my, my duty and obligation to these players to, uh, to explore every possibility to be able to do that. So, um, yeah, we had, uh, quite a trade deadline or actually the week leading up to it as well with uh, uh, the preparation and going into it and identifying the talent that we thought would be able to come in and help uh, this group, support this group go on a long run. Because you're playing games during a pandemic, how did you weigh the risk of making these moves and mortgaging a bit of the future with some draft picks without having a guarantee that this season is going to be completed? Great question, Rick. It was really, there was a lot of uniqueness to this. As we all know, we've all been living with uh, different times uh, over the last couple of years. So uh, we weighed out, um, you know, the risk on any any type of player that we would have brought in, if any. And uh, I think the commitment from uh, Michael Landlauer and myself and uh, you know, we we felt good about this. We know there's risk. There's no doubt. We know that this is a little bit unique, and there's you know uh, a lot of hurdles to still to get through. But uh, again, we feel totally comfortable that uh, taking this this uh, approach with this group was going to be the right one. Um, you know, I think the one regret we, I think I might have had was if if and when this thing clears up and we're back to maybe a little bit more normalcy, hopefully full normalcy. Um, I, I didn't do enough for this group, but uh, again, it's uh, it was a long, arduous process in identifying the right guys and being able to do it. Now, as far as mortgaging the future, 
Uh, it's always tough moving players, um, especially a couple of our young players with uh, Jonathan Malie and, and uh, obviously Alex Ferran. And Navin Mutter was, was you know, uh, from 16 years old coming into us. Those are tough to, tough calls to make uh, for our group. But uh, we feel really comfortable with the amount of talent and young talent that we have coming in next year and the years to come uh, that uh, we're going to be in just fine shape. Hamilton Bulldogs president and GM Steve Steos is our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. The uh, two newest and, and probably biggest names to join the team, Mason McTavish, uh, Arbor Jacki, who's a Hamilton native. What impact have they already brought to the team? Uh, you know, it's, I think right away when, when these, these young men joined our group, I think our group got pretty excited, first of all, and then obviously the commitment to uh, and the vision of, of doing something special with this group, but uh, in each of them, Mason McTavish is a world-class player, played nine games in the National Hockey League this year, and uh, under you know other circumstances, probably could have stayed the entire season up there. Um, hugely impactful uh, player for us at U18s, and then uh, you know, was going to be at a World Junior, so uh, to, to me, the best player in our league, and uh, uh, maybe in CHL, and so uh, rarely as a general manager to get an opportunity to uh, acquire a talent like this, and uh, uh, so I was very keen on that. And with Arbor, uh, just an incredible young man, an incredible story. Uh, never drafted into our league, never drafted in the NHL, yet he has an NHL contract. I just think the mindset and the determination of this young man is incredible. So. Two massive additions for our group, no doubt. No doubt about it, Steve. Really appreciate the time. Good luck this weekend, and uh, hopefully this team has uh, what it takes to be a Memorial Cup contender uh, coming up later on this year. Thanks for joining us. Great catching up with you, Rick. Thank you. Steve Stales, president and GM of the Hamilton Bulldogs. The Dogs in Oshawa this evening, and they will host the Kingston Frontenacs on Sunday. Two big Eastern Division clashes for the Dogs. Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 530 to 9 on 900CHML and online at 900CHML.com. The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free so you never miss an episode. And make sure you rate and review.